And as I stand, Lord, I just ask that you would consecrate me and make me fit to be used by you. That you would come now, manifest your presence and speak to your church. And we declare we are your church. And that you would give us an ear to hear what you have to say to us today. We know that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. So come and cut us into the shape that you have caused Father, we love you and praise you. Now, Lord, we just ask that you have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Matthew, and Matthew records Jesus speaking. The, another parable, another parable he puts forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Notice that he said his enemy, not enemies. You only got one enemy. Just one. Amen? Your enemy is not people. Your enemy is a spirit that gets in people. You only got one enemy. The Bible said that the kingdom is like a man that sows seed, plants a seed. And while he's sleeping, the enemy is working. And the enemy tries to come against the seed that you planted. Verse 26. But when the grain has sprouted and, and produced a crop, the tares also appeared. So the servant of, of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? <clears throat> he said to them, an enemy has done this. Mm -hmm. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no. You don't need that. Check this out. Least while you gather up the tares, you also will uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest and at the time of harvest I will say to the reapers first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them but gather the wheat into my barn. Isn't that something? He's, in other words, he says, don't mess with it. Let God grow it up. And when God finishes with it, you'll be able to gather what's bad to burn up. 
and the good you'll have. Isn't that good? That's what the kingdom is like. Now I want you to turn to Exodus chapter number one. The book of exit. It is when God's people exit Egypt. We there? Okay. Now these are the names of the children of Israel who came to Egypt. Each man and his household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulon, and Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All those who were descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Say it was 70. For Joseph was in Egypt already, and Joseph died. All his brothers and all of the generation, but the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly multiplied, and grew exceedingly mightily, and the land was filled with them. Now there rose a king over Egypt who did not know Joseph, and he said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and, and mightier than we. Come, let us deal with them shrewd, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and it happen in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us, and so go up out of the land. Therefore set they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh. Supply cities, pythons, and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made all the children of Israel serve with vigor. Amen. I want to look back at verse number 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. The kingdom is like a man who sowed. And what he sowed, the enemy plotted against. And what he sowed grew, but what the enemy plotted grew with it I want as we see the kingdom of God and what it's like this is what I want you to focus on a kingdom on the move say God's kingdom is on the move you may be seated 
I want, we read the scriptures because I really want to just have a conversation with you this morning uh, as it relates to the kingdom of God that is in you so that it will create such an understanding of why the enemy has fought against you and the enemy is fighting a battle that he cannot win. The people of God need to understand that they are his children, that you were chosen. You didn't choose God. He chose you. And anything that happens in your life, God has to allow it to happen because God is sovereign, which means that he is over everything and nothing can happen unless he allows it to happen. And when you know that you belong to God and that you're his child, you come to an understanding that he's going to take care of you. There is a greater and deeper understanding, and that is that God's way is not our way. And, and we have to understand that if we start trying to draw out how God is supposed to work it out, we become frustrated. But frustration is not a bad thing. I'll get to that a little later, but first I want you to really come to grips with God is up to something in your life and he is on the move right now. There are some things that has happened to you uh, that has caused you to spin out and, uh, and there are things that still come up in your mind that cause you to operate in a certain way because of fear of what has happened to you in your past and God is delivering you from your past fears right now. You have to understand that things have happened to you so that he could shape you. And you did not like some of the things. And most of us will sit there and say, oh, God is good all the time. And he is. But there is some stuff that me and God have to have some real deep conversation. And most of the talking is me. Because there's some stuff that happened in my life that I just don't like. I do understand the word that all things worketh together for the good of those that love him. But even though it's working together for the good, it does not mean that I'm appreciating it all the time. So the problem comes back to me. So then if Felix, you know that that's what my plan is, then why are you focused on what's wrong instead of focused on what's right? And understanding that the ways of my kingdom are not the ways of the world and so that I have to allow afflictions to happen in your life because I'm really bringing down a worldly kingdom that you have in your mind so that my kingdom can begin to operate in you. And the problem, the problem yet lies in our mind because we are so used to and accustomed to working according to how the world works. And thereby, God does not operate that way because, because we are a people that if we had it our way, we would relax. We would just kick it. 
You know when everything is going good, let's go to the movies. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's throw a party. But if all hell is breaking loose in your life because you are afflicted, you are not thinking about no party. As a matter of fact, you're not talking about going to the movies either. You're usually trying to have a talk with God, trying to get it together because you are being afflicted. So God continues to work in this magnificent way that does not agree with our worldly thinking, but it's 100% kingdom. So thereby he teaches us what the kingdom is like. So the kingdom is like a man who sows good, expecting something good to happen from it. But the enemy is plotting against everything that he sold. So while you are trying to get rest over something you have done good, the enemy is raising up things around it that's all bad. The text speaks of tares. Now, it says wheat and tare grow together. And the reason why it talks about tares is because tares differentiate the wheat from the tare. And so the man, it says that the man, would, and, and this is the, the, the church, would say, oh, should we just uproot it? Should I go handle that problem for you? Let me go handle this stuff. I got this. Because um, surely they just need to be punched out a couple of times. You know, we, we want to handle, we, we think in the ways of, of worldly thinking when somebody does something wrong. And so the, the planter of the seed, the planter of the seed, God planted the seed, the word of God in us, says, no, don't do nothing. I started this, and he who began a good work is faithful to complete it until Christ comes again. In other words, let it go and let it grow. And so, and so, why does God allow the tear to grow? with the wheat why does he allow the tear to be around the sea well and then he says leave it alone i i want to talk to a few of you who are tired of your problems can 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 i just have just a little bit of peace god can you just take down all the tear just tear it away from me so that i could just be the fruit that you have called me can i just enjoy you for a while god seems like every time we get a blessing we can't even enjoy the blessing because other stuff just start happening oh i'm blessed and highly favored then bam 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 oh before you could even get in your lounge chair, you hit from every direction. Couldn't even reach the remote. Before the phone rang and told you about this and then the child called and then somebody came up and stuff just happened. God, can I just get a little bit of rest? God said, yeah, you can rest if you can identify that I'm in it no matter what you're in, that I'm in it and I'm the one doing everything. Is there anybody in here that's truly ready to get some rest? Because if you rest in the Lord, just be like John. Lay your head upon his breast and let him do the rest and you stop talking about it, stop worrying about it, and let God be who he is. He said, don't do nothing. Don't do nothing. Let me finish what I started here. So he talks about the tear. 
and the thing, the thing, the thing. God says that he chose us that we would bear fruit and that our fruit would remain. In John chapter 15, he said, I chose you. You didn't choose me. And I chose you so that you would bear fruit and your fruit would remain. Well, God, how can I bear fruit when all these tares are around me? Just let me grow you. He says, my kingdom is on the move. What I noticed about the, uh, he would not allow anybody to mess with the tear because when wheat and tear grow up, because the wheat has fruit on it, the wheat belongs to God. And when the fruit get on the wheat, the, the tear grows straight up. They look pretty much identical. But when they become full grown, the tear stands straight up and it represents pride. But the wheat, because it has fruit on it, it begins to bend over. And so then you could just come out to the the field and reach from the top and uproot all the tear because the wheat has bowed down to God. And that's what you got to do is grow up and bow down and let God be God all by himself. God is up to something. And so we, we see in the Old Testament that Joseph, 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 he he was the prosperity. He he let um, he preserved the earth realm when there was a famine. Joseph was used by God. He was God's chosen. He he did not know anything about complaining because he never complained about anything because he trusted God no matter where he was. But it wasn't all that at all times. He was over Egypt. He was in charge of everything, and nobody could eat unless he said feed them. He was bad. He was in control, but it didn't start off that way. Joseph's start was when his own brethren hated on him, threw him into a pit. And I would imagine that if it was my brothers who threw me in a pit, ah, can you imagine the frustration you would have with your own brethren being frustrated over what they did to you? It would be bad enough if somebody that hated you did it, but somebody who's supposed to love you then did something dirty to you? Can you imagine the frustration? But God don't allow frustration to happen but to grow you. He he was frustrated but kept going up. He was frustrated, but he kept moving with God. He, he, he could have thought backwards and went after his brothers when he got out of the pit. But he kept moving forward because God was moving him somewhere. It wasn't about what was done to him. It was about who was leading him. Is there anybody in here that knows that God is leading your life? No matter how it looks, God is up to something. Joseph goes through being rejected by people and helping people out. And and the same people he helped out when they got out. They sold him out and didn't want to help him at all. But Joseph 
is representing the kingdom. So Joseph isn't responding to what they did because he was on the move. It is something to know that God, when you know God is up to something in your life, that he is going to allow tear to hit your life, and the tear didn't hit your life to tear you up. The tear is to move you up. Joseph gets to a place, and he's in command over Egypt. He's a Hebrew. He's one of God's chosen. And God had to take him down before he raised him up and puts him in a place where, listen, the Pharaoh recognized who Joseph was. But more than that, he recognized who Joseph God was. So now Joseph is in charge of all of Egypt. You would think that once God does something that great, would that he would just let the people just enjoy what he has done so far. But Joseph and all the people that came, the Bible says it was 70 of them into Egypt. And they were multiplying. God was making them mighty. Now get this. Now it says a new king came. Joseph's dead. Pharaoh's dead. And now they got a new Pharaoh. And that Pharaoh was cool. Because the people were growing mighty and loving it. Do you know what happened when you start growing mighty and loving it? Started having mighty meals. Just become all about you and just having fun. And God said, I cannot allow my people to get away from their God. And that's why he allowed the stuff to hit your life that has hit your life because he says, I won't allow you to get away from me. I am going to allow affliction to hit you when I get ready to move you. Is there anybody in here that knows that God is moving? God says, I will hit you with affliction so that I can move you. And so the king, the king, the king, the king was kicking it in his palace. He was kicking. He was cool with the Israelites. He was so cool with them. Until one day, you know, I, the, the Bible doesn't even say when, but the king tripped. I believe that the devil entered the king because he looked out. The Bible says he saw the people and he became afraid of what could happen with God's people. Now you know why the enemy has been attacking you because he's afraid of the move of God, that kingdom inside of you. He's not tripping on your stuff. He is, listen, the enemy, when he gets afraid, listen, he wants to come and afflict you because he's afraid of what's in you. The kingdom of God is in you. 
regardless of anything that you have done or said, when the kingdom of God is in you, the kingdom of God is going to raise up in you and move you forward. And when the enemy sees that there's something about you that's great and mighty, then he plans to afflict you. Here's some good news, though. He cannot afflict you unless it's part of the plan. So everything that happened is a part of the plan. Oh, wait a minute. Preacher, you're going to have to help me with this one. That's what he sent me here for. Uh, the king became afraid when he seen that there was a movement. When Jesus got ready to make his biggest move, the devil was afraid. That's why in John chapter 13, verse number two, the king became afraid and evil came out of the king, which means evil had to get in him. The evil came because he was afraid of God's people. In the same way, when Jesus got ready to get used, even though the enemy was walking with him and was cool with him, the Bible said a devil entered him. What am I saying? That when God gets ready to do a move in your life, people who are close to you, a devil could enter them. Don't you get mad at them. Get mad at the devil who came in them if you're going to get mad at anybody. But you're going to have to understand this. God says he makes your enemy your footstool. So if he comes in, get ready to get promoted because God is on the move and he's chosen you to move. Say it's good. This kingdom, this kingdom. And, and, so, and so we see the king, he, he says, let me afflict them. I got them. I have to stop them from growing because God is about to do something great with his kingdom. Oh, goodness. So God looked at you. As he begins to make you great, as his kingdom begins to come forward, let me tell you something about the kingdom of God. Turn off the news station because you'll talk about all this stuff going on in the news, all this stuff that's on the move. God's move is way bigger and way greater. As a matter of fact, they are just pawn playing along with what God's total plan is because God is going to take all that confusion and bring it to nothing. And it's going to take a move that he has chosen to move his kingdom in his people. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Oh, God. They... And the plan was that he would afflict them and it would make them weak. So check this out. Now, this is how foolish the enemy is. There's only one. He tells them, let's afflict them. And what he gives them assignment to do is to make brick. Uh, what he should have did is make them sit still and do nothing. 
because that would have been wise. Because when they were making brick, they was getting strong. And they were getting mighty. Oh, yeah. They just got strong and mighty in here. And, And so the more, listen, the more he afflicted them, the mightier they got. And so he said, well, since you're making brick, I'm going to take the straw from you that you used to make brick, and now you're going to have to find another way to make brick. Now he caused them to be creative. And so they began to make brick and and get, get mightier. But what they didn't know is that only 70 of them had come and they had already become mighty. And and when they were in in the affliction, they didn't have no, no money. They didn't have, they couldn't go to the arenas and watch what was going on. They didn't have nothing that would entertain them. All they had was one another. So when they got off work, they couldn't go to the movies. All they had was they didn't have no 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 fun. They didn't have no end. They didn't have no way to participate. They couldn't call nobody to dinner. They were slaves. And you know how it is. When you got money, yeah, you be making plans. And it don't include God. And God says, you're going to include me one way or another. Because I know how to get you to do what I want you to do. And sometimes I'm going to afflict you even when you haven't done nothing wrong because I'm ready to promote you and move you to another place. And so, and so, and so now get this, get this. uh, When they were afflicting them, the Bible says, That he grew them. Verse 12. Can you put verse 12 on the board? The Bible said that he grew them. Did it say that? It said something more than that. It said that he multiplied them. And then grew them. So it's not about adding to you. Somebody said, oh yeah, God was just going to add to the church. No, God is a God of multiplication. When God gets ready to grow you, he will cause affliction because affliction works in God's advantage. The enemy thinks he's taking you down when he's really raising you up. And so when he afflicts you, nine or eight times eight is eight, eight times. If you add it, it just goes eight plus eight. Plus eight, plus eight, plus eight, plus eight, plus eight, plus eight. That's 64. That takes some time to get there. When God gets ready to multiply you, multiplication is just eight times eight. And when he says multiply, he's talking about a speed up. And a lot of us don't have time to deal with all the foolishness that's going on in our life. And when God, how do I get past it? God said, your affliction 
is going to speed you to the growth that I have for you because you are not growing fast enough, so I have to afflict you so that I can get you to where I need you to be, and you have been moving too slow. Is there anybody in here that knows that God is speeding them up? Now, somebody shout kingdom. That, that, that's how the kingdom works. He will afflict you because he will speed you to the position. Now, think about that. Joseph, I'm going to bless you to rule over Egypt. Um, go ahead and get down there so you can rule over. Joseph wouldn't know how to get there. So God said, I got to take you there in a way that when you get there, they won't see you, they'll see me. And so God said, I'm going to afflict you. I'm going to allow affliction to happen because I have a cloud of witnesses that I'm pushing you. I'm excelling the kingdom so that I can deliver everybody attached to you. I called you to this. I chose you for this. You were meant for this. I got kingdom in you. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom that's inside of you. Don't you know that your hurt and your pain and your affliction will make you forget about yourself and make you start thinking about him? When God gets ready to get your attention, he will cause an affliction to happen. And we become frustrated because we lack understanding. But your frustration is your incubator. When God gets ready to develop you, he will frustrate you. And you think frustration is bad. But when you get frustrated and you can't do nothing with the cards that you got, you just throw your hand in because you're too frustrated to do anything else. And that's your incubation moment. When the baby can't do nothing for itself, you got to put them in the incubator and let them develop. And when you can't do nothing with it, God said, that's your incubation moment. I'm going to put you in the incubator and I'm going to work all this out and develop you so that when I bring you out, you can function on your own. Everybody won't look at you as helpless as you used to look like, but you'll start looking like the king of kings. He, he brings them to a point. Now, get this. He has them afflicted. And while they were afflicted, they didn't have nothing to do. They had no entertainment. You know our affliction will stop us from running here and running there? They said the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. People think, oh, yeah, oh, I'm so blessed. You get so caught up that you miss it. You miss the power of the brick. Because the brick is a blessing. Because you're building something. And while they were building, they'd have nothing to do. So when they got off work, 
only thing they had was each other. Now, you know, we know what to do when all we got is each other. Huh? Husband and wife, all you got is each other. You, you know how to entertain yourself. You don't need no popcorn. Sometimes he just create an intimate experience because that's all you got is each other. Let me tell you this. All they had was each other. The Bible says that they kept multiplying and growing because all they had was each other. And when God afflicts you sometimes, it will bring you together so that you can multiply the kingdom. We sometimes look at what we want. But we need to look at what God wants. God is multiplying. He's multiplying you. He's calling you to bear this much fruit. And in order for him to get it out of you, affliction will hit you. Now it becomes, what do you do with the affliction that hits you? Well, the people came together. It's about unity. It's not about what's going wrong. In the kingdom, you can never win by focusing on what's wrong. What looks wrong is righter than you'll ever know. Because God is up to every move that happens in your life. Let me say this. Because when I first got saved, I had no idea that I was going to get hit with affliction the way I was getting hit. I even thought, shoot, I could be better. I was sinning and having more, less than this. Because God wasn't growing me when I was sinning. He's growing me when I'm serving. And so God gets us ready through service. And when you're serving, he doesn't tell you to serve who you want to serve. He tells you to serve everybody, to love everybody. The kingdom of God would be you loving. Jesus said, my kingdom is like this. Love the unlovable. Bless the ones who are cursing you. But if you're too worldly, it will be too hard for you to do it. You need some more affliction. I'm just telling you how the kingdom works. Because the kingdom is in you. And it's moving. And the way you have to move with it is his way and not yours. So we don't have to talk about what's wrong. Do you, do you realize it was 70 of them when they went in and over a million when they came out? Over a million 
because of the affliction, the multiplication. And God is multiplying his church in you right now. This changes everything. Everyone that you have held guilty from what they've done to you, they're not guilty. They did it. But God allowed it to grow you. You wouldn't have moved into the position you're in right now without it. Affliction will move you. I thought about it for a minute when I used to get in trouble. And my dad used to come get me. He'd get that switch. Yeah, I... To me, ain't nothing wrong with whoopings. Whoopings was good for me. One of the best things I ever got. But he, he get the switch because he wanted to move me from one way of thinking to another. <laughs> and telling me wasn't good enough. So he had to afflict me. And when he was hitting me, <laughs> I was moving. He was going to get me to move <laughs> one way or another. And that's what you need to know and understand, that the kingdom of God is moving. And God has chosen you for this. All it takes is one moment, just one. It was one Joseph, just one, and it multiplied. You can't keep looking at what's wrong. Know that God is making everything right. Let me tell you something. They went out of Egypt with over a million folk, but they were strong because they were mighty and they knew how to fight and God whooped everybody. But there was a problem still. The problem is they focused on their enemy instead of focusing on their king. We have the king of all kings. The question is today, will you allow him to be king over all of you? Let him have your way of thinking. Let him have your way of reasoning. Paul says, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I had to let all that go and take on the kingdom. Is there anybody here that's ready to take on the kingdom? Give God a hand of praise. As we get ready to go.